What up? Welcome to Homegrown Hustle, where local brilliance takes the center stage. I'm your host, Matt Eichmann. Together, we're about to embark on an inspiring journey. Our community thrives on the wisdom of insightful leaders that are right here in our backyard. And we're bringing their expertise to your ears. Whether you're an aspiring entrepreneur or simply seeking inspiration, this podcast is your guide. Join us every week in celebrating innovation, guidance, and the power to inspire greatness. Let's explore the stories that shape our local business landscape, and together, let's ignite the spark of excellence. Darren Kelly, thank you so much for coming. You're busy with a lot of stuff, man. You got Divine Shine Cleaning going. You got a, a podcast, a whole kind of branding business going. I'm just super grateful to, to have you be here. So thanks for coming, man. Absolutely. Good for having me. So let's just dive right into it. So right off the bat, I'm looking at your overall, just a little bit of background info on you. Reach 100K in net profit. That's one of the goals you're shooting for, right? Commercial residential cleaning. But the biggest thing I'm seeing in here is you take care of your people, right? Tell me where that comes from. Tell me a little bit about how you got to that type of thought process in your business. Yeah. I mean, just you need your team, like you need your people. And as I was going through the whole process of transitioning from a professional athlete into like getting, looking for jobs and then looking for businesses to start, I'm like, one of the, the key factors is like, people don't pay me enough to even pretend like I care about mm -hmm. what they're doing. And so I'm like, if I'm going to start a business, obviously you're not going to be rich and all that stuff, especially just starting out. It's like, what can I do different to make people actually want to work for me? It's the biggest thing I can mm -hmm. do is just pay them more, you know, even with a smaller budget. It's like, I don't believe in paying people like 17 bucks an hour and expecting them to do a crazy great job. It's like you can pay them a slightly above minimum wage, but what kind of work are they going to do? That's pretty deep. I mean, we can peel layers back. So mm -hmm. let's get started here. Yeah. So professional football player, that's here in, in kind of your resume. So tell us about like your journey there and how that's helped you in your business. Yeah. Well, one, my football saved my life, first of all, like literally I'm from West Baltimore. Like the, if you've seen the wire, like everything, like I'm from there. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? All the in-betweens and outsides and everything in between. I'm from that type of environment. So football literally saved my life from getting me out of Baltimore City, giving me a free education. But more importantly, coming to the Midwest, like literally saved my life because it's, I don't know if I ever told this story, but I actually was fighting a felony. So like leaving, I was maybe like 19 or 20 and I was fighting a felony, three to five year, like prison case. And the judge, she dropped a felony to a misdemeanor and she let me off with probation before judgment. And she's like, you're smart. You have good grades. You're an athlete. You go to a good school. It's like, what am I missing here? And she's just like, you're just a good kid in a bad city. So she's like, I just want you to leave. Cause I told her like, I just made a mistake. You know, like I just need to leave my environment and get into a different environment and go chasing my dream of playing football. And, you know, and she gracefully, Went through that process, not giving me a felony, which would have changed the whole trajectory of my whole entire life. What's her name? Do you know her name? I forgot her name, man, but I I can go back through the court system and look it up. But I need to send her. Those type of little pivot points in your life, like when you actually sit back and like look at it, like I had a similar dream. I wanted to be a professional baseball player, right? Mm -hmm. Even down to like 
where I ended up going to school, like that little decision and where you're at in that stage of your life, it impacts everything. So you had kind of the understanding that you were in a tough scenario. Mm -hmm. You were real deep in at that point, it sounds like. Yeah. And some, there's a little bit of grace to give you that opportunity that, that now instead of falling back into whatever routine it was, like you went to NDSU, right? And you played, what position did you play? I was a utility, a utility night Mm -hmm. in the defensive, in the secondary. So corner, safety, free safety, strong safety, nickel, field corner, boundary Mm -hmm. corner, whatever you needed done in the secondary. And did you get a lot of playing time there also? I had, for me, it was, because I was a junior college transfer. So that, that was another challenge for me was, you know, coming into school was, I was a junior college transfer, so I was like 21, 22 coming into a championship program. They're expecting mm-hmm. me to come and play right away. So I did play a lot, but I didn't play as much as I wanted to. So I didn't play in the role that I wanted to. I got moved around to every position, so I got to learn every different position. Mm-hmm. played a lot of special teams, but ultimately didn't get the role that I wanted to mm-hmm. to get. And that was tough for me, like mentally, as far as just like being the guy I wanted to, you know, because like I said, NFL, NFL, NFL is on my yeah. mind. So. I did have a big role in the team, just not the role that I mm-hmm. wanted for myself. So how'd you handle that adversity as a young male playing college sports? Like what was yeah. the thought process you went through? Man, to be honest with you, like it was tough for me and I didn't handle it as well as I should have because you just learn a lot of mistakes, man, when you're going through hardships. And that's why entrepreneurship is so nice for me because it's like a refinement process. So mm-hmm. like, for instance, I failed a drug test because I wasn't getting the playtime that I wanted in the role that I wanted in the way that I visited for myself, you know? And so that's not how I responded, but that's part of the, yeah. you know? So I would say, man, like my journey, it's been, and this is why like I take it my day-to-day life personal because I felt like I made so many mistakes and I'm just constantly in refinement. I feel like every day is like a refinement step from my past. And I'm not like, it's not like I'm under any pressure or like, you know, I'm, there's like a man in the sky that I'm trying to please or displease. It's just like between me and me, you know? And so just trying um, to be a better yeah, person. Yeah, trying to be better, trying to level up. Yeah. Man, that's some powerful stuff. So it, do you think that that came from being part of sports? Cause I see you do that every single day. Mm-hmm. Every time we interact, I, I can tell you're always, there's this like level of discontent, but still like mm-hmm. gratitude for where yeah. you're at. So you're kind of balancing those two dualities. And I think it's, really cool for me to see that in somebody and kind of get to see that development happen like from a little bit of a distance Mm so what would you say are like the three biggest things that whole journey you had in your sports and going from juco transfer to playing ndsu and having some adversity there like Mm -hmm. what are those three things that you take and you still see that you can apply into your business on the day-to-day yeah for sure so I would say like like mindfulness, you know, because there's a lot of times in my college career and professional career where I'm like, how do I deal with this hardship in this moment and or even like this play, you know? And so mindfulness, just, you know, practicing like present moment is I hate to get all like spiritual and woo-wah, but it, it's so important because there was times where I was even on the field and I wasn't present. And then when you look back and you're like, now you understand like, oh, that's lack of presence. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, like maybe I would have had that pick or maybe I would have made that extra few tackles or maybe I would have jumped that player, you know, just Mm -hmm. with a little more presence. And so as I kind of tune more into myself, I realized 
how important like that presence with yourself like really is. Man. So the presence, a real focus on what's going on right mm -hmm. now. Yeah. So do you take time to focus on like things that happened or things that you want to happen in addition to just being present? Like, do you have that kind of structure in your day where you're kind of trying to think about that development that you're currently going through? Or is that just like, it just happens all the time? Well, kind of both. I mean, I think about it, I meditate on it. I and I act on it, you know, but it all comes down to awareness. You know, like they say, you can't fix a problem if you're not aware of the problem. Or you can't fix a deficiency if you're not aware. And so when you ask that question, it's like one of the main kinks in my armor was my just ability to be present and you know, like mental training, even if you will. And I think a lot of college athletes need that, especially ones that come from like traumatic backgrounds, you know, or come from just poor neighborhoods and you go through what, typical kids, no matter if you're white, black, purple, what, mm -hmm. you know, a kid that lives in Stillwater, Minnesota, and a kid lives in West Baltimore, if their parents are poor, they're going to have similar struggles, mm -hmm. you know, and so they're going to have to find ways to overcome that. And so I don't even think it's just me that goes through those things, but yeah, I just think being aware is the start of it all. That's, man, you're a deep thinker, huh? Thanks, man. We're just a couple minutes in. We're already, <laughs> we're already getting into some deep stuff. Yeah. Okay, so... Fast forward from football, tell us about like your transition into business and like what that kind of 12 month period was. Yeah. So I stopped playing football. I gave it everything I had. I assigned to a arena team and I was just kind of trying to get film at that point. Mm -hmm. Just keep it, you know, it's where my Achilles found. Yeah. Came back from that. And then COVID ended the season after I came back from a torn Achilles and I just felt like it was just a universal sign to be like, this is it. And so it's ironic. I actually found one of my old interviews on YouTube just from like a, a from I was in college, so some sports channels interviewing me and they asked me like, where do you want to be in five years? And I said, I either want to be in the NFL or I want to be an entrepreneur. And so I kind of had a, a proud moment because I'm doing, I didn't go to the NFL, but I'm doing what I said I was going to do. And so that's, you know, we were talking mm -hmm. before we got on air about like giving yourself more credit because I'm doing exactly what I said I was going to do just a different timeline mm -hmm. and all that good stuff. So, yeah, man. So cleaning, how'd you get to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, Was cleaning the first business that you got into? No, it was uh, personal training. So okay. I was training kids. Was um, that just an easy lateral for you? Yeah, because it's, okay. it's like, this is what I do. I know how to move, yep. I know how to coach, I know football, I know kids take to me well and all that good stuff. So I'm like, cool, it's, you know, let's train. But wasn't a good business model. It's not, wasn't very scalable because I'm all about scalability. We were kind of talking about that yeah. earlier. It's like, you want to start a business, you can actually scale and not like run yourself into the wall. So cleaning is a multi-billion dollar industry. It's probably literally the easiest, I call them the humble hustles to get into. So that's like, you know, roofing, construction, pest control. Right. Yeah. You know, so I think cleaning is the easiest one that has the highest, you know, like profitability. Mm -hmm that you can get into because you don't have to, you have to have a license to be a pest control specialist. Mm -hmm. You have to have a license to be a roofing specialist. You have a license to go do GC work. You don't have to have a license to clean someone's house. So that barrier to entry. Yeah. It, that was it for me. Quickness. Cause I just put so much time and so much sacrifice into football. And I'm like, I need to make money now. Like right now. I don't like I've sacrificed enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I need to make money now. And so school wasn't an option for me. I had already graduated. So I'm like, I'm just going to start cleaning. And I sucked at cleaning at first. I didn't suck, but I wasn't as good. I'm so you cleaner. literally were just like, what can I do? 
That makes sense, yeah. So it's not even like you knew somebody that was doing it. Okay. No. <laughs> so how do you go about learning like what you had to do? Like that process seems like such a big mountain to climb and mm-hmm. that like just based on the conversation we're having right now, that probably sounds like something that motivated you a little bit. Yeah. So like I don't even know where to start with that one. Yeah. I, <laughs> I literally learned how to clean. So like even from my commercial to the at B and I after my first like poor review, I remember like it was yesterday, and this was years ago. It was an Indian couple and they paid me like pretty good money. I, I did a pretty good job on their house, but there was just some things that I missed, like their vents. I remember everything they complained about. They missed their vents. You know, I didn't clean the dust in between their vents and their oven. I didn't know how to get like grease actually off of the oven, you know, and so I just started cleaning and I, I learned how to be detailed at cleaning. And then I actually bought a course that taught you about like CRMs and, you know, like, and just kind of like basic business structure. And so I, from that course, I implemented everything I learned from that course into my cleaning company. So I got a CRM. I stopped taking cash and check payments and I started processing credit cards, mm-hmm. automatic booking on my website. So people didn't have to like, this has been like two years. Oh, you've done all this stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's been, yeah, it's been about like three, four years since I've been, business has been open for five. Like I said, I was kind of flirting with football. Yeah. Stuff, so. Yeah, man. And so I literally just learned through trial and error. I learned how to clean. And then once I got around like six, I'd say around like like six to eight clients, then I started. So my boy who played for the Ravens at the time, he called me one day. I was like, yo, my little brother works for Walmart and he pushes carts. And he's like, do you need help clean? I'm like, bro, yes. Like, yes. But from that course that I learned, that I bought, I learned how to leverage contractors instead of like putting myself in that employee mindset. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, so I don't have to go get workers' comp insurance and go get all these expensive ass insurances because I can just leverage a contractor and make sure that they have their own insurance and then I can scale my business starting off at least that way. And so that's kind of how, mm-hmm. that's where I am now. So you just had start first mm-hmm. right. and then you just started tinkering. Yeah. Right. You get some type of knowledge base, some research, some resource. It sounds like that course you had. Yeah. And a lot of people just spend time just trying to learn it before they even open the business. Right. right. So that fear of failure that people have when they kind of get stuck in that thought process, did that even cross your mind? Was that even? No, not you that's the crazy <laughs> part. You didn't even, yeah, like, no, think I didn't even think about failing because I'm like, it's me. It's, I, I didn't, mm. when I started the business, I didn't have the mindset of, like, oh, I'm going to sell this one day or like, I'm going to scale this. I'm just like, I need money now. And I know I'm going to clean. I know I can speak to people. I know that I can get people to like me and trust me and all that good stuff. So I'm like, I'm just going to go clean. And, you know, now the, even speaking with you or I'm not sure if you sparked me, if you were the one that sparked me to read the email or just the, when you told me the thought of like, or you should think about selling your business, like structure your business to sell your business. And now that's what I do with everything. Like everything I do, it's like, okay, with a potential buyer. What's the end goal, yeah, right? Yeah, like what's in it for a potential buyer? And so, yeah, that's been huge. So just tinkering. So obviously not content with where you're at just based on what you're talking about. So like, what's your vision for your company in the next 12 to 24 months? Yeah, so my vision is to figure out some systems to really cash flow the residential side of it. So mm-hmm. just make it a cash flow machine and then take care of the recurrent clients that we get from that process. Like really, really, so that's kind of what we're doing. We've, we've raised prices. We've got rid of the cheapos. We've got rid of the difficult clients. And now we have- We've um, learned what you don't want to do right. pretty much. Yeah, exactly. So we, now we had closer to 50, but now we have 
around like 25 or 30 recurring residential clients. My goal is to nurture those clients, treat them like A1 people, they are A1, and get them to either refer more business or just to be our steady recurring base and then scale the commercial side. So that's so government contracts. I've just finished getting my contracting for all of that stuff mm-hmm. in the process of getting cleared for my MBE, which is the minority business enterprise. I think, you know, women or anybody of color should definitely take advantage of that. It's a huge resource that so many people don't even know about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Talk about that a little bit more, what that is, just for people that don't know it. Yeah, so the MBEs, uh, the Minority Business Enterprise, and what it does is allows you to, like, register with the state or government, you know, wherever you are locally, and it allows you to bid on, like, bigger jobs and allows you to bid on... It just gives you, I hate to use that word, but it's, it's almost like a affirmative action type of thing. It's like, you're a person of color, you're a woman-owned business, the government sets aside, I think it's like two billion or something, like some crazy dollar amount for, you know, those, you know, minority or ethnic groups mm-hmm. or whatever. So my thought process is why not take advantage of that? Like it's that. a big opportunity, yeah. it sounds like, right? So, I mean, as a business owner, there's a lot that can go into those type of decisions, but for you, you look at it. This is opportunity. It's mm-hmm. my obligation as a business owner to at least like put some effort into this. Is yeah. that kind of how you think about it, Dan? Yeah. And, I've, you know, on YouTube, I've actually, I was in a different country and I met a, a lady who runs a business from Miami, Florida through the Columbia. And she was like, yeah, I made my first 125K through the MBE. You know, it was like a, a million dollar contract. It was, it was crazy. Yeah. You know, and so, yeah, I just, I just want to see like what... I want to see through all the possible avenues that I can see through to, to generate revenue to get to that angle of like selling it and having a, you know, a big business that can generate, you know, I just want to like live comfortably. You know, that's what it boils down to, you know, so clean. I don't need to do anything fancy or sexy. I just want to live comfortably. Well, and it sounds like you want the people that work with you in this journey to do the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. That's really powerful. Cause then it's like, almost like a football team. Like you're on the same team. Yeah everybody picking each other up, like that camaraderie. And I don't even know if you think about it that way, but yeah. just based on how you kind of talk about your team and your business, I, like I can see that kind of. Yeah, absolutely. Playing right. football, it has so much impact on my mentality and just how I look at business. I play for one of the most winningest football programs ever. Mm-hmm. So just my natural, just the way that I approach it all, I have an intensity to me. So I kind of need the people around me to have that same intensity or I might make yeah. it feel a little uncomfortable or whatever you might feel. And I got that from football. So do you think that you've kind of, since you've become a business owner, have you seen certain relationships like become more difficult to have and maintain just because that intensity is still continuing on, even though it's not just sports related? Yeah. So I'm single, you know, so like it's hard for me to even date right now. And like, Unless the girl's like, hear that, ladies, he's single. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, I'm, I'm single. You know, but unless the girl's like super aligned with what with where I am, and it's like clear as day, it's it's, even, it's hard for me to date right now because it, it's hard for like for a woman who's working, you know, a nine to five, and she's you know goes home, watches a little bit of Netflix, and then she you know sleeps in until like nine or ten or whatever, whatever, and kind of kind of that like typical nine to five schedule. It's hard to date someone who's like, yeah, I got to go to bed at 930 and I have meetings on day. And plus, I thought, like, you can't have the last hour of my day because I like to meditate and read before then because I forget to buy. And it's like very, so, so dating has actually been coming tough for me because my parents are like, 
oh, you want grandkids? And I'm like, I'm poor. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm trying to, you know, grow a business. So dating's been pretty tough. Just finding someone that aligns with my lifestyle. What else? Dating is kind of like, you know, and like old friends, man. It's like your mindset is evolving. You're growing. You can't talk about certain things. Yeah, because, you just don't want because to. They, and they, they might not be able to even get on that level and have that conversation. As a business owner, kind of like a unicorn, right? I'm, yeah. I'm, this has come up a few times in conversation here on the podcast, but like when you're a business owner, there's certain things that you have to do that other people don't have to do in their life, <laughs> yeah. right? right? They don't have that pressure. Yeah. So has that been hard? The fact that, I mean, maybe other people that you grew up with, like they're getting married, having kids, or is it just this incredible focus that you have with that focus? Are you just content? Cause you know, like that'll like when it's time, like, yeah, that'll happen. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, I've got some friends who've got kids who's married and I'm like, that's nice. I want that one day, not in the immediate, you know, right now, but yeah, man. Yeah. It's, but I, I love it. No, I love the intensity and the focus that you mm-hmm. have. Um, that being said, you still have like a lot of things going on. So focus in your business, like mm-hmm. there's commercial, there's residential, there's government, there's all that. Then now let's add another business in, right? So let's talk about your podcast and kind of the, the branding side of what you do. Cause you, yeah. you got a lot of plates that are spinning right now. So yeah. <laughs> right. let's talk about plate number two. Yeah, man. Play number two is still more so being formulated. So I have a podcast called The Real Balance Podcast, where culture and consciousness collide. That's kind of like the uh, like tagline. And yeah, man, and, and I like to talk, you know, about culture and bringing consciousness to it. And that can be anything. That can be business. That can be relationships. That can be political stuff, you know, but trying to leverage growing a business and then growing like an online brand and like managing your time and stuff, it's... It's challenging to, you know, like I said, I'm single. I don't have kids or anything like that. So I feel like I do spend a lot of plates only because I understand like my time is like if I had like some kids at home that I needed to, then obviously my time allocation would be different. You know, if I had a wife or. That's not the scenario or the situation that you're in. So you're just making the most out of what you have, which is your time. Yeah. I'm like, let's double down and put in what we can put in before I have, you know, the family and before you know, my parents start getting really, really old or, you know, whatever. So yeah, man, there's real balance, which is more so like my life work, which is what, you know, once the cleaning business is where it needs to be, that's what I see myself doing is for more so of a living and more so like passion work is I love the process of self-refinement, like self-development in like a genuine way, not like a give your life to Jesus way or a like go be a, a monk in you know the middle of nowhere the process yeah, right it's the it's process like, like right. you know sounds like what you're trying to say and correct me if i'm wrong is mm-hmm. like the destination isn't what it's about for you yeah it's that process of just putting in work yeah it's the journey it's ironic i just wrote a newsletter about dopamine we were talking about that mm-hmm. again um in the bni meeting and the key takeaway that i want people to take from that newsletter was like dopamine is like you get rewarded from dopamine through like doing the work and not, and it's, you know, it's like, don't get excited because you're on the goal line. Like get excited mm-hmm. whenever you score, get excited yeah. when you make the money. Rest at the end, not in the middle. I think that's a Kobe quote. Yeah. Like, right. You got to finish. Like the game's not over. Like 
why are you celebrating? Why are you doing all that? Right. And that's really what that kind of dopamine Ooh. release is. So your podcast sounds like, is this just a channel for you to get the mental exercise that you need and also like brand it and like leverage that activity that you're obviously going to be spending time doing or like, where did that kind of blossom from? Yeah. So like, the whole, I think it's like a Japanese phrase called like Akage. It's like your purpose or your reason for being. Mm-hmm. It's rooted in that. Like real balance is literally like my philosophy of finding my Akage. It's the business aspect. It's the internal and trauma healing aspect. It's the like living your ideal life aspect. It's like I'm going to be snowbirding for the first time this winter. And you're yeah, not the typical snowbird. <laughs> <laughs> Right, but it's like, this is how I view my life. That's how you wanted to build that for yourself. Yeah. And you've created that opportunity to run a business where you can do that. Right. But Absolutely. that wouldn't have happened had you not started with the end in mind. Right. So it's snowbirding. So you're going to snowbird. Are mm-hmm. you, so you're still going to be running your business. Are you going to run the podcast there too? Yeah. Yep. So we're getting out all of the pre-shot episodes so that we can roll out. And not have to worry about shooting new content while I'm away, you know, but part of my dream is to have like my vision for my life is to be able to live anywhere, to have multiple businesses that can run without me. I mean, just kind of have that flexibility. And so part of, you know, going to Columbia to learn Spanish this winter is kind of testing my limits to see like, how long can I be away from my business before things start to break down? How long can I, like, what type of, like, can I flirt with this lifestyle? How long can I? As we're talking and as I've just learned about you, it sounds like you're always creating this scenario where you have to be uncomfortable. You have to be. <laughs> you have why? To be. I yeah. agree with that. Yeah. Just for the record, but like, why do you do that? You know, there's probably some trauma related back to that, to be honest <laughs> with you. I'm, I'm in therapy right now and it's, it's not like a, like, mm-hmm. I mean, there used to be some stigma, but it's like, I want to uncover everything that's keeping me back from being my best self. And so... I don't know, man. I feel like, like I said, I have a chip on my shoulder, man, not going to the NFL. I just feel like I've, and any every mistake that I've made typically came from, like, comfortability, from getting too comfortable or, you know, or just relaxing, you know. And so now I'm just a li- I'm hard on myself. I'm not going to admit that. But I just I love excellence, you know, and I, I'm hard on myself when I fall short of excellence. I want my life to resemble excellence. So you actually said something during our meeting earlier you said we're not perfect but we are excellent like that's such a powerful statement and i just see you applying that to so many more areas of your your life than just your your business Mm -hmm. like this constant discovery and testing like your outer limits and what those are do you ever see that like not being a thing for you no man i think that and i'm I think my Akage is somewhere in that realm of like mastering self, learning self, and in teaching. I think like that is my ideal like job, my ideal mm-hmm. career. And obviously it's going to take time. You've got people like Matt Feehan who's put in the work and done all this work. Man, I look up to him so much. And you can just tell that he's he was so intentional along his journey. Just by the way he moves now, you can just tell. And that's kind of how I view myself in a sense. You're not just letting life happen, to yeah. you, in other words. Yeah. Like you're creating this vision and then you're finding what the steps you are you have to take to get there. But the bigger thing I think that probably differentiates you from a lot of people that have 
wanted to start a business or mm-hmm. a cleaning company and never did is like you do shit. Like you take that idea, that step and you implement yeah. quickly. It sounds like, is that, so I struggle with this naturally, like making decisions too fast. Mm-hmm. How do you kind of process those decisions as they come up? And how do you like think about that? Cause there's I'm sure dozens of decisions that come across your plate on a daily basis, mm-hmm. like prioritizing, like, what do you think about? Or does it just like yeah. come from the gut kind of thing? Man, I honestly feel like I take too slow to make decisions because I don't, there's like that perfectionism, you know, kind of going on. And so that's something that I'm kind of working on interpersonally right now is like trusting myself to make quicker decisions because I'm so like, I don't want to make the wrong decision, you know, but that's like the whole analysis paralysis thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm writing about that right now as well, too, just like, I'm just learning to trust myself and understand that like most decisions are not right decisions. So I'm not a quick decision maker. I think I make good decisions, but I don't think I make quick ones. I don't think I make good decisions because I take a little more mm. time to kind of sit with them, you know? And so that's why like, even talking to you or, you know, t- I, I'm always bouncing ideas off people so that I can make that decision making process quicker. So you can kind of triangulate really yeah. further that thought process for yourself. Yeah. Or, or just know that I'm making that right decision, you know, because it's that uncertainty. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And being okay with no, it's like, even if you didn't make the right decision, it's like being okay with like, okay, whatever, take a few steps. Yeah. You know, and plus you got another decision you have to make. So you can't like spend all the time on that one you already made. Like right. that's one thing I've found is like, I'm in this constant pursuit of perfection and it's like self-limiting and it, like I beat myself up pretty hard because I'm not used to not doing the stuff I set out for. Right. So like just giving myself some grace because perfection's impossible and like really reframing for myself. Like I don't want to be unhappy at the end of the day just Mm -hmm. because I wasn't perfect. Perfect's impossible. So that with all those facts at hand, like redefining how I would handle adversity, was one big thing I had to learn early on that I couldn't just let it consume me because there's so many more things that come up. Did you have any type of progress or process around that type of beat yourself up thinking or did you not struggle with that as much as I did <laughs> well no I'm still am man so I'm you know I say I'm working through it through therapy right now typically when I do find myself beating myself up and I reframe it I typically come that like I'm just being hard on myself typically the people that are performing better than the baseline are the ones that are most hard on themselves and so I just cared more yeah, just care more. You, you know, we want to win or whatever that why that drives us or, you know, drives any individual person. You can kind of see that fire in someone's mm-hmm. eyes. And I can't you can't always like or even articulate what it is. But, yeah, I don't know, man. I just kind of got that. Like I just call like a chip on my shoulder, man. And it just it makes me be hard on myself. But you got to find that balance. And that's literally why my brain. Well, and, and, and you pursue this constant uncomfortability. So, you like it's all kind of wrapped up into this really complicated bundle, right? So yeah. all the introspective introspection and mindfulness that you go through probably helps you really balance some of those things. I know yeah. I have to do a lot of the same thing because I hold some opposing thought processes sometimes mm-hmm. in my business, but being able to go from micro to macro, I know Gary Vee talks about that yeah. all the time and have those different frameworks for how you look at the scenario it's super important in business especially if you're trying to grow and and make that progress so 
in your business, I know you're, you have that recurring model because you're trying to work towards maybe a potential exit, maybe not. Mm-hmm. We'll see when we get there, right? But yeah. how did you go about figuring out how to grow your business? Like when you're like, okay, this whole cleaning thing, yeah, I'm going to stick with it. Mm-hmm. So now I need more customers. Like where'd you start? Yeah, I mean, paid advertisement. Just, just like, I'm going to find an ad and throw some money at it. Like literally. That's I <laughs> like, <laughs> like literally, I, like I started with like thumbtacks and, mm-hmm. you know, Google Open Services. I tried Google Ads, but that's a bloodbath. A bloodbath. <laughs> <laughs> literally, especially if you don't know what you're doing and you do entrepreneurs, like, yeah, Google, yeah, it can be mm-hmm. a bloodbath for sure. You know, BNIs, you know, things like BNI, things like, it's not just one thing. Yeah, it's yeah, right. and I'm still fi- literally trying to figure this next phase out now. It's like and we we're just last... talking about before we hopped on. Yeah, <laughs> literally. So I'm like, okay, like we were hitting like thirty eight thousand or forty thousand dollars a month, and now I'm like, like, how do I keep these? You know, it's like you know, it, it, you can't scale. Google Local Services was doing fine for us in the, the summertime. Mm-hmm. Now it's starting to taper off. You know, so now we're you know, like we were talking about thinking about some like SMS marketing doing some sales training with my virtual assistants, just kind of seeing like, what can we do to keep cash flowing in? So it's always changing, but you know, there's only but few ways to get leads and to make more money. You know, you've got free ways, you've got paid ways. Um, I could list, you know, tons of, of both, but you kind of got to do a little bit of everything mm-hmm. and then like find metrics in between. What have you had the most success with? I've had the most success with Google local services, like hands down. But on the back end of that, I will be transparent in that, like, it's a little more costly, especially for beginning entrepreneurs. And I was a little more risky with the budget because it was mm-hmm. working so well for me that I'm kind of like, screw it. Double down. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, let's screw it. Like, yeah, let's just throw the money there. And, if, you know, and, it, and it worked. So I would say for any new entrepreneurs listening to the episode, too, if you're going to use Google Local Services, make sure that you have like a side job or some way to, fuck to, yep. to you know, to actually take care of that marketing budget. The sales pipeline, like yeah. how do you handle the lead after you get it? Like step one, get a potential customer right. that's interested. Step two, make them buy the thing that you have. That's a right. really big step yeah. though, right? Absolutely. So, so Google Local Services, just like high level, essentially you select a type of service you provide. You fulfill a few criteria that Google requires for for you to become a verified service mm-hmm. provider yeah. and then you set a budget yeah. in geography service in simplest terms right yeah. so the upside is you know those leads that you're going to get they want cleaning or they want pest control or yeah. whatever it might be downside is you don't really know how qualified that lead is sometimes mm-hmm. right and if the budget's out of whack sometimes you might get too many leads that now you can't even handle it right i know i went through that same process so yeah well, part of my journey with the, like Google local services, like looking at kind of the stickability of a customer, right? Mm-hmm. Like in a recurring based business model, like you want a customer or yeah, you want a customer to come to you and stick with you. Right. You don't want them to come in and go out like that can kind of throw off the whole cash flow process. Yeah. So what we found in our business is the the leads we were getting from this like high marketing conversion ended up being like low lifetime customer, like the likelihood of them converting to our ideal customer mm-hmm. with multiple year recurring was lower. And it could have just been based off of some of the systems, but like really identifying 
this lead source versus that lead source yeah. versus this lead source allowed me to even think about that. So with as many different irons in the fire as you have for marketing and mm -hmm. sales, like how do you organize it? How do you yeah. track it? Yeah, well, one, I can definitely get better at tracking, um, especially with Google Local Services. But so what I've been doing is I've been using my virtual assistants a lot because I don't have like a sales team. So I wouldn't say I'm a one-man show, but I do a lot on my own and I, I leverage virtual assistants because they're more affordable that way. So for Google Local Services, it's like, you know, you just, every client that you book, you just track it. You know, you, you can track it within Google Local Services. So that makes it easy. Like Google will tell you that, you know, you've made this many, you've booked this many calls, you were charged mm -hmm. for this many. You just have to have someone go in. For me, that's my virtual assistants go in and actually input that data. So right now, as far as marketing, the only, right now we're just using Google Local Services and we're using like a lot of mail campaigns. And so okay. we're, you know, we're tracking like, I have things like, I forgot the name of the software, but I have a software that lets me know like if people opened or read my emails, you know, so okay. we'll do like a mass newsletter send out to our sales customer letter. database. Yeah, no, or for, this is more so for commercial side that I'm okay. speaking for right now. So what we'll do is I'll drive around. So I saw a bunch of new buildings on my way out here. I was taking pictures of them. So what I do is I'll take pictures of, hey, that's a big building. I know they need it cleaned. Maybe their current cleaning company sucks. I'll take a picture of it. I'll put it into a database. I'll have my virtual assistant put it into um, to HubSpot. And there'll be, there's like a little picture there. There's like the class A, class B building or whatever. And then we start to mail to those. So we'll have like a sequence where we do like mail. There's our sales letter. I take some notes on this. This looks oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> so the first part of the sequence is sales letter. And then the next week, so this is like a four week sequence. So we'll do, you know, the four. You just send it to the building? Yeah, just send it to the building. And if like, it comes back, like with the post, then we know don't send it to there because it's not accessible. You know, so there's mm -hmm. feedback coming from the whole okay. process. And we just landed by like a really nice law office with this method. And we landed them on the first touch. <laughs> so their cleaning company sucked really bad. So you just got to get there. You yeah. just got to be there at the right time yeah. sometimes. So. One email, like just literally one email. So this sequence was, there was hundreds of, of businesses in the sequence. And my virtual assistant landed this client and she got 20% of the first month bill because mm -hmm. of that. So I was like, hey, that's kind of the compensation plan that I worked together yeah, yeah. for them. And so, yeah, man, I mean, we just run that consistently, like all the time. And so having someone to manage that for me is what I'm looking to get someone to do. But other than that, man, like, yeah, like tracking your metrics and tracking what's going on. I, I'm not an expert at it because my business is not super duper huge, but it's also not super small either. So I'm always trying to find new ways to market and new ways to mm -hmm. track in, you know, in, in real time. But yeah, those are the two main business drivers right now is I call it the rich niche. And um, that's the, the, you know, the mailing sequence and then Google local services and then I do a lot of like in-person networking. So BNI and NIA, Chamber mm -hmm. of Commerce and stuff like that. And social media is what we're getting into as well. So you got some irons and a lot of different fires. So the, the podcast, I love that you've already kicked out, what, 27 episodes? Mm -hmm. What is that something that's going to be there no matter what? That's part of Darren Kelly or like, yeah. I don't, like maybe I just don't know the whole podcast space that well yet but like is that even is that like a sellable thing is, is that part of your plan too is to build that to sell yeah not to sell but i want it to be a part of so my end goal is to build brand so okay. you, you've got the grant cardones and you've got you know like the 
Gary Vee's, they're all, these are brands. These are people that started off building organic content and they built their brand around their niche or whatever their industry expert is. So I'm hitting off of the Gary Vee. He's Gary Vee's like, bro, you need a podcast. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you need a podcast. Like you need a podcast. So I'm like, all right, Gary Vee, I'm going to start mm-hmm. a podcast. I don't know how it's going to play out in the end. I just know that that's wisdom. I seen Alex Hermosi grow his brand in like a year from nothing to like three, like he's got like millions of followers now mm-hmm. because he understands the branding, the podcasting aspect, the constant social media posting aspect. And so that's kind of where, where my mind is at. It's like, I don't want to necessarily monetize the podcast or sell it. I just want that to be a strong caveat in the brand. And you know that it's not like it, the model works and, and you've seen yeah. that you just don't exactly know where it's going to go and you're cool with that. Yeah. I just don't know when it'll like kick off. See, like, when I, mean, <laughs> I just think that whole, like being okay with it, not with not getting a million followers in the first six weeks or six <laughs> right. months. Like it's uh, like just doing it and having consistency. There's so much behind that because like we're talking about Gary Vee a lot on this one. So we should <laughs> probably hashtag him on it, but like you just gotta like, do stuff like yeah. and the more you do like in this world like social media it just takes like one thing for everyone to know you all of a sudden and now it's, it's a reference point have you had anything yet that's like gone viral or anything along those lines or is it just sheer consistency and yeah no not not yet i've had some like so i'm pretty i'm kind of a controversial person so like I like leave controversial like statements under pictures and I've had like comments <laughs> get like 1500 likes and like now people are like battling under comments because something that I left. But other than that, like, no, not yet. The consistency and like the time schedule, like I think I could get my first like viral piece of content or viral like podcast episode or whatever. Once I like, I just need to get posting consistently into mm-hmm. my schedule. And so in order to do that, I had to make sure that the business stuff was in order and, you know, time blocking is something that I'm working really hard on. It's like from five to eight, I'm not available because I'm shooting YouTube videos. And then from 12 to two, I'm not available because I'm in the gym. And so that's kind of tough in itself. So because stuff happens yeah. like life, that whole thing yeah. in business, like it's how do you handle that when you don't get to the gym from whatever time or like Oof. some shit comes up like. Cause I like things to be really like organized and like right. starting on time and ending on time, like all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Cause that organization allows like my natural tendency with, which is disorganization right. to have some balance. Um, yeah. Is that hard for you when it doesn't go right? Not as hard as it used to be. Cause I'm doing a lot of internal work now. And so it's not as hard, you know, I just, I don't beat myself up. And so it's, it's like, if I can't go to the gyms, like, I have to catch a flight to Baltimore today. So like my day is going to be shit. I got a bunch of stuff to do after mm-hmm. this. My gym, I might not hit the gym today. That's fine. Cause I'm going to hit the gym tomorrow. You know, and it's like, whatever. Or with the time blocking thing, if I just move my stuff around and just know that, okay, if this time block, I couldn't get it done. Just move it to the next one. Just finding that grace for myself, essentially, instead of beating yourself up. Mm-hmm. It's like, who are you really trying to be perfect for? You know? Man. So there's no, there's no needs to be perfect but it's like who are you trying who are you like why are you beating yourself up so hard bro just do shit tomorrow do better tomorrow <laughs> yeah just be like and be happy and like grateful that like you're born in the united states and like you even have the opportunity to, to run yeah. a business let alone yeah. a couple of them absolutely uh, so is there anything that you're like super 
hard on right right now like you're you know this is gonna pop in the future and you mm -hmm. just don't like outside of the podcast obviously but mm -hmm. like something you're really passionate about that you're looking forward to come to fruition yeah man just social media branding in general mm -hmm. like so like my morning routine is i get up at five and i write my newsletter every day because I've studied the field enough to know like that is the driving force behind successful social media brands. It's like, can you captivate people with your writing and get them to read your stuff? Because if you can get them to read your stuff, you can sell them things. It's not all about money, but it's like, what are we talking about at the same time? You know? And so growing a, a social media brand is like the biggest, it's like, I'm obsessed with it right now. Like, mm. like setting up like sales funnels and setting up like, learning what makes people read and capture an attention, like what hooks work and what thumbnails work. And like, I'm really kind of, it's along the lines of the which platform. Is there a particular platform that, that you're looking at or is it like all of it? Yeah. Generally? Yeah. So essentially all of them. So you want to have some sort of like, so obviously the writing platforms like LinkedIn and Twitter, you want to use for writing. There's threads as well. You know, you want to use like YouTube to be your main your main like sales like hub, you know, so your long form should start from YouTube and then everything else should trickle down to YouTube shorts, TikTok, Instagram reels. And so that's how I break everything down. So every, so even the YouTube, so each YouTube video is corresponding to a newsletter. And so I, I essentially just, so it's like, I write the newsletter. Now I have a YouTube video and now I shoot that. And now I have short form content and I'm trying to like, make this like system, you know? So it's like mm -hmm. news, newsletter, YouTube video, short form, podcast episode, switch to another topic. And now, you know, I just kind of repeat. Yeah, man. It, That's a lot. Yeah. That's it, a lot. It's, it's a, it really is. I spent a lot of mental energy, have no idea, but like, this is what I would view as my life's work. Like I, like I truly believe that I'm meant to be here to bring impact to other people's lives through a, like an intimate way. So it's like, I think that I'm a light worker and I'm, I'm not, there's different types of light works. There's mm -hmm. shamans, there's preachers, there's spiritual folks, there's astrologists and stuff. I think I'm a light worker in my own way. And so I think real balance to brand is one finding that and documenting that. So a lot of my newsletters are essentially me writing to myself, fixing my own problems. And then I write that. Is it, like, a, is it like journaling kind of? Essentially, but it's like, more intentional and you know and so like i write about right now i'm writing about self-sabotage because that's something that we all do it's something that i do i guess i can't say we all do but i know i do it for sure mm -hmm. um, i'm writing about self-sabotage instead of, and so it's like me taking a look into my own problems and solving them in real time and i know that we're all we're all connected so if i'm going through a problem there's probably tens of thousands of other people going through the same it's problem goes back to that whole like mindfulness you're creating that space in your life yeah. to reflect on a challenge yeah at five o'clock in the morning too yeah. is when he's doing it and then a yeah. whole bunch of other cool <laughs> shit happens after that so yeah. well i'm super grateful for your time here today thank you so much is it, how do people get in contact with you if they want to learn more about you your podcast your business yeah man well if you need cleaning divine call divine shot at seven six three 363-1880. You can follow me at DK The Real on Twitter. That's D-K-T-H-A-R-E-A-L. Instagram as well. Yeah. Uh, the Real Balance Podcast is on YouTube. It's on Instagram. It's on all streaming platforms. You can stream it and listen to the audio or you can check out the video on YouTube. And yeah, there's going to be a lot of content cranking out here in the next like week or so. So that's awesome. Yeah. Dude, congrats on all the success you've had and I can't wait to see you like 
where you're at in six to 12 months, probably going to be light years ahead of where you're at. So really appreciate your time, Darren. Thank you so much, man. Thanks a lot. Thanks again for joining us on Homegrown Hustle. Our local business community thrives because of the brilliant leaders right here in our backyard. And it's been an absolute privilege to provide them with a platform to share their invaluable expertise. Stay tuned for more insight, wisdom, and inspiration from our local business champions. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast platform. Together, we'll continue to nurture and expand our homegrown success stories. Matt Eichmann signing off till our next insightful episode.